Welcome to Fangirl Fridays. I'm Natalie. And I'm Marin. Hi. Hi. What a week we've had. It's my fault. I'm the weakest link. And then you sent me a weakest link gif, which I forgot. I loved that show. I don't know. Did you? Yeah, I don't. You are. It the was a link. phenomenon. It was a phenomenon. Um, speaking of, Eric has been on set all week with Regis Philbin, and I was like kind of jealous. Yeah. Apparently, that seems fun. Reg has been on more hours of television than any person in history. Wow. Right? Little fun factoid for y'all. So comfortable in front of a camera. So comfortable. He's 88. Elderly. Wow. I know. But yeah, I'm the weakest link. It's totally my fault. I had too much going on. I'm a mess. I am the technical difficulties of this relationship. Yes. I apologized to you. I (laughs) I will apologize to everyone else. It's been a week. Philly had a staph infection. That was a whole jam. Been trying to force antibiotics down her throat. Not going well. Projectile vomited in my living room. It's been cool. It's been fine. Sounds like a great week. Yeah, but I did have a fangirl-worthy experience this Um, week. Tell me. Well, so I was reminded by Eric that we did nothing for our five-year wedding anniversary. And so we scheduled this dinner that we've been trying to schedule for like a year. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's television and movie connected. So we went to dinner at Anaka. So it was, I guess now... Our fifth and sixth wedding anniversary and my birthday is what we've told ourselves that this was for. Um, by far the most expensive meal I've ever had in my life. But if you watch Chef's Table, there's an episode of Chef's Table on Anaka. Okay. It just got two Michelin stars. Okay. I think Ellie's never had a two Michelin star restaurant. Now there's a few. Also, the chef, so her name is Nikki Nakayama. So I may have said it wrong. Could be... <laughs> I'll think about it. You're um, just looking off into space I know, like that's going like, to give that you the answer. I know, because I feels wrong. Um, but anyway, she did all of the food for Always Be My Maybe, mm-hmm. the Netflix movie. Um, she's amazing, like an amazing story. And one of my very good friends is good friends with her. So she was so gracious and lovely and like came over to us. She was so Ooh. sweet. She was like Sharon's friends. It was so sweet. Um, and... It was f- like 14 courses, two, oh my God. two desserts. It sounds crazy, but like you leave appropriately full. One, because it's Japanese and like yeah. the Japanese and know portions are smaller when you're getting courses yes. like that. We also did the wine pairing. I thought I was going to be like passed out under the table. We were fine. The Japanese really just like keep their shit tight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like as a people. Um, and I just appreciate that. It was lovely. The dinner was long enough that, like, Eric and I had a lovely time. Then we had a mini fight. Then we made up from our wow. fight. I know. It was like a whole thing. But it was delightful. What was your favorite course out well, of the 14? Out of the 14. She's known for this abalone pasta. Okay. So it's, like, perfectly, like, cheesy, salty. Then you get a little bit of abalone. That was amazing. It's also one of those things where you're like, I don't know what I'm eating, but I don't care. Like, yes, just put love it. That. Yeah, there was like a wagyu sushi, which sounds weird because how does that work? But it was amazing. Her family also, I believe, has like like a fish business. Like they sell fish, so she gets the best fish. So it's like the best situation for yeah. everyone. Learned about myself though that I don't really like sake. Do you like sake? I don't know if I've had it. Or maybe I've had it once. It's not something I'm drinking on the reg. <laughs> you're not You're not mm-hmm. a regular. Mm-hmm. What's your drink of choice? Sake. Um, it's not my drink of choice. Um, but it was fine. It was, it was lovely. It was delightful. Felt like an adult. Got to, like, 
get dressed up, go out. Oh, also, this was a 5.30 on a Wednesday situation. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> because you got to do what you got to do when you've been trying to get this reservation for a long time. Literally, it was like the soonest I could click. Yeah. That's what I got. But also glad it wasn't at 8.30 because then I'm eating until like midnight. Yeah, you'd have to stay up so late to digest. No, no, thank you. Get heartburn. What are you fangirling over? I am fangirling over. So, Saki? No. <laughs> Saki. So you know how like you start scrolling through Facebook and you're like, why am I here? I hate it. Every time. Like, yep. I don't like it. Why am I watching this video of your child? I don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Not I started watching. in particular. No, no, no. Big no. words. I want all the Philly content. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but I started watching this video someone shared and it was at the app. Appington Senior Living Center in Mapleton, Utah. Yeah, this is the content. This is some kind of like viral video, whatever. Started watching it, and it was like, "Here's our annual dance to Thriller," and I immediately started crying at my desk. Annual because it was just like a bunch of elderly people in chairs dancing, like very happy to do it, dancing to Thriller, and then there's like a full video you can watch of the entire performance, and at the end they start getting up slowly and acting like zombies. I had to look at the wall because I was full crying at my desk. What is the percentage of people like in wheelchairs versus those that could like walk around? I think most of them actually could walk, just wow. they shouldn't walk all the time, you know? Wow. Was there like a library? I'll send it to you. It was. Oh, great. I'm just going to cry at work. Was there a library of past videos? Because if this is their annual tradition. I didn't want to go down that. I didn't. But it was just very sweet. And they were all having a good time. Love. Yes. Love it. Speaking of viral, though, you shared something. Maybe we talked about this last week. Maybe not. Did we talk about it? The kid who went his pants for Halloween? No, we have not talked about it, I don't think. Just maybe one of the sweetest, like most charming viral images that I've seen in a long time. (laughs) This two-year-old, like, I just love that he had the passion to be like, no, that's what I want. And two-year-olds are very fickle, right? So it's like, you could ask them one minute and they want to be Elmo. Yeah. Then the next minute they want to be pants. He stuck with pants. God bless his parents for making him pants. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. He's literally just wearing a big pair of pants with his arms through it. With his arms through the pockets. (laughs) It's so charming. The The internet gives us crap. The internet blesses us sometimes. Yeah. Elderly thriller. I can just see that. Is anyone like the Michael Jackson or are they just the uh, zombies? I think they're all just, it's a group performance. <laughs> I don't think anyone has a solo moment. Thriller really it's brings lovely. the people together. Remember that like Filipino jail? Yes. <laughs> like those people loved a thriller too. Who yeah. doesn't love thriller? I know. Here's a question for you. Is it weird to like Michael Jackson yes. music now? <laughs> but like, right? That's a tragedy. It's yes, all a tragedy. You, yes, it's a tragedy, and unfortunately, you have to feel that way about many things. Of course. Everyone on the internet was like, that scene of the Joker, the Brooklyn Staircase, the song, like it's the song Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter, like, mm-hmm. he's a child molester. And I was like, hello, we listen to Michael Jackson every day, and Rock and Roll Part 2 plays at every sporting event. Every single You one. are not going to get mad about this one scene unless we're going to get mad about all of it. <sighs> Again, so much joy, <laughs> so much turmoil. So much pain. So much pain. It's bad. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's tainting your adorable And also like Jeff Goldblum video. right now, what are you doing? John Stamos getting thrown under the bus for a lot of things right now. Everyone is kind of crashing. It's crashing. bad. I know we haven't talked about the Jeff Goldblum. It was funny because I like had a side conversation about it and I haven't yet like talked to you about it. Um, 
things th- are happening. Honestly, it could be much worse, but it's not good. Okay. It's not great. Good transition into <gasps> Moonlighting, though. <laughs> it's not good, but it's not great. Well, it's funny. So we watched five episodes. Um, I like this concept of, like, choosing the five episodes that are sort of, like, define a show. Yes. But watching all five of these was total clusterfuckery. Yes. I actually ended up on one of them, ended up watching the follow-up episode because I needed to know what happened Mm. next. Mm -hmm. And some of these had me wanting to watch stuff that happened before. So maybe it's almost a good way to get you to want to watch the show to better understand it. It's like a gateway. Yeah. What I think I came away from with these five episodes, and we'll talk about all of them, is that Moonlighting was so far ahead of its time. Yes. Like, I could not imagine a world where it is 1985 and you are sitting down in front of your, like, one television that you own and watching this on network TV. Like, thinking about what else was on television, I was just like, this is bonkers. This is A-plus television. A-plus television. Like, I completely understand why people lose their minds over it because it was, like, it is still like nothing I've ever seen in a lot of ways. However, there's one episode where I felt like I was watching Monty Python. Mm. Maybe it's an episode I didn't like because I'm not a fan of Monty Python. It felt – okay, well, first of all, you're going to laugh at this. I watched, I think, three of these five episodes in 1.5 speed because I just needed to, like, get through it. And they're already talking they're fast. so <laughs> fast. It It was – comical like it added a layer of like hilarity to me watching these episodes that I wouldn't I don't regret like I'm not taking back I thought it was very amusing to watch them this way (laughs) um okay so the first one we should talk about the dream sequence always rings twice now this is the episode that we mentioned last week yes with Orson Welles in my I've never seen Orson Welles you've never seen him I don't think so okay so when you watch the episode did he actually show up for you Yes, he did. I had to YouTube it <gasps> because whatever I was watching on Daily Motion did not have his beginning intro. Oh. So I had to there's a special YouTube video that's just that segment. Mm. And it's basically him introducing what you're about to see. I thought he was going to be way older. Oh, interesting. Also, he was just straight reading the cue cards on the yes. side. Yes. But yes. he did unfortunately pass away like five days before the episode was broadcast. So he basically mm-hmm. like did this and then died. And then they put up a card that's like this is dedicated to Orson Welles. Yes. Um, and again, she, she being Sybil Shepherd, knew Orson Welles through Peter Bogdanovich. They were like very friendly and he was very instrumental in her career. Insane. Insane. Like it's an insane thing. Just um, like this episode. I thought this episode was bonkers. Yeah. So Maddie and David investigate a murder case from the 1940s in this episode containing black and white sequences. The reason they brought Orson Welles on was to do this intro to tell the audience that at minute 12 it was going to go into black and white and to not be alarmed that your television was broken. It's crazy that, I mean, I understand why people would think that, but the way it was shot, it's so beautiful and, like, glossy. Like, it's clearly done on purpose. Yeah, it's like The Wizard of Oz. Yes. Like, it was very much... Just reverse. Yes, it was was very intentional. I don't know. It felt to me like, how would people... People are not dumb. So this is the highest rated episode of the entire series. Crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I I mean, the reason so this case leads them into a an argument about being sexist mm-hmm. and then Maddie gets mad and takes a nap and then this happens. I thought it was very odd. 
it's a little odd. The premise of like how they get into the dream sequences, yes. very, very odd. Um, but so the, essentially there's this nightclub called the Flamingo Cove, which I was all about. Um, and in the 40s, there was a man that was murdered and it was a woman and a man who were accused and they both essentially like – went to jail. I think they got electrocuted or something, mm -hmm. and they both claimed that the other one that had done it. And Maddie and David sort of both have a dream sequence about who was actually the person that killed the husband. This episode cost $2 million, which according to your math later would be about $5 million Jeez. okay, today money. And it was only shot in black and white. Now, it would have been much easier for them to decolorize it that's pretty easy. Yeah. But they were like, no, no, we're going to do this in black and white because we don't want you dicks to show this in color later. So smart. So smart. But also and it so looks annoying. so good. They're doing that like film noir thing where they clearly like double or they like have something over the camera lens that's giving mm -hmm. everything this kind of yeah. like sheen. Um, Gerald Finnerman was the director of photography for the episode um, and did all like the fancy black and white lighting techniques. Um, and he earned an Emmy nomination for this. Good for him. So, and then this episode obviously earned a ton more Emmys for other things, but. We are not talking enough about the fact that Sybil Shepherd sings a lot. She gets to showcase her vocal talents. Very much an alto, which my, I expected. <laughs> my problem, she sings the entire songs. Yes. Not just snippets. We get a lot of Blue Moon. Yeah, and we're watching her perform it. We're not like, it's not an overlay of like a fight or something. Nope. We are watching it. We are watching her in these amazing costumes in front of like a full band. It's very like 1940s gorgeous. Would listen? I don't know. Like, I know she's put out, like, six albums or something. Very easy breezy. Not, like, great, but not terrible. Yeah. Like, would just have on in the background, I think. Um, there is a scene, I don't know if you caught this, but when in the dream sequence they send uh, David to the electric chair. Mm -hmm. But as he's walking in, I had to rewind it because I was like, what did that say? On the walls walking into the electric chair, it says, last one out, please turn off the lights. And I burst wow. out laughing. I was just like, this, again, this show didn't have the internet for weirdos like us to pause it, create an image, share that meme. image. It was for nothing. Like, yeah. no one probably even noticed it. And it was, it killed me that it was just like, yes, yeah, someone... Someone told someone to write that on the wall and paint. The set people had to do that. No one probably ever saw it except for me watching this 35 years later. It was just like, what? There's also a scene where it's very hot in their apartment. Mm -hmm. And she's like, how can you play the trumpet in this heat? And I was like, yeah. This is gross. How can you play an instrument in this sweaty heat? That whole scene, though, it really Bruce, bothered me. When Bruce Willis is like, I play the trumpet, like, without my shirt off in front of a blinking light because I know I look good. And, like, it's just so absurd. And it is – it's like you can tell how much probably fun they were having. Yeah. But also probably how miserable they were. But it is done so well. There, I had a weird, like, muscle memory, though. Bruce Willis, or David, calls Maddie in the middle of the night mm -hmm. after she has called him. And the sound the touch phone makes, yes. my, like we had a brown phone like that. Like we probably had the same phone. And I can hear the noise. And it's like you don't dial a regular phone anymore. Oh, I love that. But you forget that like the press noise and then the sort of 
ting of mm-hmm. it. And I just kind of like got taken back to like being seven years old and like calling my grandma. And I was like, oh, thank you, Moonlighting. Was not prepared for this. But it was it was fun. It was nuts, but it was fun. Yeah. It was nuts, but things get nuttier in season three, I think. In my personal opinion. For sure. But my favorite episode. I knew I knew it. It's Camille. I knew it. Because it's Whoopi Goldberg. But it's not even Nelson. Okay, season two, episode 18. It's the finale. season. Finale. Season finale, we get this not even guest star. She's in the entire episode, Mm -hmm. Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. It's not just Whoopi. I thought this was a very fun episode, but Whoopi Goldberg was amazing in it. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Make her a regular. Judd Nelson. This is basically what he follows up St. Elmo's Fire with. Wow. Yeah. St. Elmo's Fire comes out the same year. He literally does The Breakfast Club, St. Elmo's Fire, this episode of Moonlighting. Well, this is what blew my mind. Judd Nelson and Whoopi Goldberg were friends? Honestly, I see it. It makes sense to me. At the time? It makes sense. And he was friends with Whoopi Goldberg. She asked him to do it with her. Wow. She was nominated for an Emmy for guest actress. Yes. I get it. Well deserving. Although kind of weird. Like, so the premise here is that she's a... Uh, Camille is a con artist. Yes. The beginning, she's like about to marry a dying old man. <laughs> yes. Loved. Loved that. And the whole time, there's Devil with the Blue Dresses playing, and I'm very into sister that. Sister act. Yes. Very, very sister act. Yes. I was like, great. Did they do this because of moonlighting? But Judd Nelson is like a dirty cop that's trying to bring her in, but he's also trying to extort her, and she's trying to extort people. The opening scene is she is fleeing from the dirty cop, and in the process, she thwarts an assassination attempt on a senator. Yes. And the whole city loses their minds. They're so appreciative. She's a hero. She's a hero. David Addison is like, she's what we need. We need her as sort of like a PR ploy for Blue Moon Detective Agency. So they hire her. (laughs) So random. So random. And she does nothing. And, like, that whole then storyline is nonsense like there's nothing and the whole reason the dirty cop keeps finding her is because she's like applying for licenses like they apply for a detective license for her and so then he can find her and then later on she applies for a beautician license and he can find her and it's totally bizarre but perfect it's kind of perfect the most perfect thing is where Maddie does not like Camille. She thinks that she's just, like, stealing money from them, which she is. Which she is. And she's not working. She's not working. She's not doing anything. And David's like, okay, I'm going to fix this. So his answer is to essentially put Camille, Whoopi Goldberg, in the same outfit as Sybil Shepard. Different hair. Different hair, but the same hairstyle. Mm -hmm. They're wearing the same outfit. It's like... (laughs) It's like Patty Duke, like, cousins, identical cousins. cousins. And it was just a trip. Like, it was amazing. Not anything I was prepared for. There was also a beauty parlor scene that did you not feel, were you not getting Grease vibes, beauty school dropout? Yeah. There was something in there that was feeling Also, I don't know if you caught it, but she, Camille asks if the color purple is on. (laughs) She's in the color purple Uh later. Or around the same time? Which is kind like same of... Same year? That's Whoopi Goldberg's debut, right? Like, I mean, Whoopi's not like... Her, like, big film debut, Yeah, you mean? Yeah, probably. I mean, Whoopi's like a, a star at this point, but not yes. like a huge star. No? No, I think she's pretty big because of her stand-up. I suppose. But we haven't had, like, the sister act or anything yet. No. 
We haven't had Karina Karina. We no. haven't had Eddie. <laughs> my best, my favorite basketball movie. We haven't had Eddie. <laughs> um, but it's just a real fun, ridiculous episode. And again, the season finale. Yeah. It also felt like because of the guest star, maybe this would have been an episode in like season four or five, like when you're kind of reaching for new ideas mm-hmm. or like need something to keep it exciting. Yeah. But I feel like it really works for season two. So this, that, correct me if I'm wrong, because I've watched a lot of them together. This is where they exit the studio. Yes. So you now, it's literally like, like they are they don't aware. Even, they don't even end the episode. Like Judd Nelson is like, wait, but we haven't wrapped up my storyline. Like they go from being in the story because it's the season finale to being like, all right, like wrap it up, put everything away for the summer. Mm-hmm. And they're like saying goodbye. And then they're like real people. Yeah, they're like on set running there's a chase scene through different sets yeah i don't know what where where were they like i kept cbs i kept trying to figure out what lot they were on um because it's not it wasn't paramount or fox no and i was like i don't know where they are it was an abc show but i don't know where they would have shot i don't know it's very strange but then all of a sudden it's like a weird cliffhanger with with david as bruce willis and (laughs) And Maddie is Sybil Shepard, and Sybil Shepard's, like, wearing tennis shoes, and then they just drive off in their separate cars and, like, have a great summer. It's bizarre. I liked it. I liked it. And that's where you're like, oh, this show was out there, and people just were along for the ride. For the ride. But, okay, next episode is where they tried to get serious. And I think what they were like, oh, we should be serious, meaning we should just have a ton of monologues. This episode, Big Man on Mulberry Street, season three, episode six, so many monologues. Mm-hmm. It was like, were they even in the same room? Was this like a filming schedule issue? It, Why were we doing monologues in the dark? Dark there, bedroom monologues. There, are, There's a lot of dark bedroom. There's a lot of dark in season three, period. <laughs> like, where all of a sudden There's people a lot are half lit. Like, you can't see people. Um, so this song, this episode is based on a Billy Joel song that he was inspired to write because of moonlighting. It's crazy. And he so he writes the song, Big Man on Mulberry Street, and then he just calls up the producers and is like, hey, you guys want this? And they're like, yeah. And they wrote this episode around the song. And this song had an crazy very long dance number dance like full dance production Mm -hmm. there's at one point a very long leg of a woman that goes through bruce willis's arm onto a table it was one of the craziest dance moves i've ever seen her leg was 10 feet long (laughs) i don't know it just kept going just kept going but this was um directed by stanley donnan and he it was a film director and choreographer who's done Singing in the Rain, mm, On the love. Town, you know, Seven Brides makes... for Seven Brothers, Funny Face, Charade. Making sense. Yeah. Making sense. And that's also probably why it was so long. It was like, we have this great choreographer. We have to make it worth it. Well, yeah. I mean, Singing in the Rain, the whole half the movie is unnecessary dance numbers. And but it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect film. Um. It's just, like, season three was a real crazy lot going on. Season three is a ride. It's a ride. But this episode is much more serious Mm -hmm. because Bruce Willis, he's very upset. Or David Addison, whatever, Mm -hmm. Bruce Willis. Yeah. He's very upset, very, like, quiet. So we know something is wrong. Yes. Because he talks all the time. Constantly. Mm -hmm. And we find out the 
brother of his ex-wife, surprise, yeah. has passed away. Yeah. We didn't know he was married. This has me like shaken Maddie's core Shook for some reason. That he was married? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he's charming. Of course he's probably married before. Right. And he talks a lot. Of course they got divorced. Like I don't know what you want, Maddie. <laughs> You're like, Maddie, duh. But she follows him to New York to, I guess, help him? Investigate? I don't know. The it was funeral? Like, unclear. I couldn't understand her motives. I know, but I felt as though she wanted to support him, but then it felt weird when they were actually together. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know if you want me here. And the monologue went on for 10 minutes. I know you're wondering what I'm doing here. I don't know myself. Somewhere over Arizona. I realized I shouldn't be on this plane. By then, there's nothing I could do about it. So here I am, and the only explanation I have is, I guess I thought I could help you. I don't know why I thought that, but I did. But don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. I can leave. I, I already checked. There's a flight back to L.A. In an it's hour. got to be I so... If you were watching this in real time, like how many times you probably just were like, oh, my God, just make out. Like just yeah. screaming or at like, the camera. Even I wish I could rewind and hear what they said because you can't. You're not going to get it again. Totally. Or like be high-functioning adults and like... Talk about your feelings, like, the whole time. Oh, that's why I feel that, like, every television show and myself in real life, so. <laughs> but it was just like, just say what you feel. <laughs> for We've done this now for 50 episodes. <laughs> say what you feel. <laughs> like, the whole time. Um, but then it's finally David's turn to give a hot monologue, and he reveals that he found his wife in bed with someone and alludes to her being a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Wild. Wild. I feel like for 1986. Well, in the Judd Nelson episode, he's gay. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm, I was just like, whoa. We're just like, And it was just great. very casually thrown out there for yeah, like, no oh, reason. Gay. No, no reason at all. But yeah, no, good. That lesbian plot twist. Yeah. A real thing. I was surprised. Okay, so we go from this episode literally the following week into a full Atomic Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Now, okay, Maddie and David portray Katerina and I can never say it, Petruccio <laughs> in a satire. Yeah, in a satire of Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew. This I didn't like it that much. This is the one I thought felt like Monty Python. And this tracks for me. Now I also was watching this in 1.5 speed, so it was total shit. Yeah. shit show. Chaos. Also, right off the bat, it's crazy. It opens with. A boy's legs and a mother's legs. Mm-hmm. The we boy wants to watch Moonlighting, but he has to study for a test. Mm-hmm. On Shakespeare. And his fantasy is this. <laughs> Which kind of makes sense. Yes. Now, I mean, it is just full taming of the show. And it is, they do it in Shakespeare. It is in iambic pentameter the whole time. Um, Which they do comment that they hate it at the end of the episode. Yes. And it. I again, cannot imagine sitting down to regular network television and watching this. Like, we don't have any context. It just, I mean, we know the episode before, and all of a sudden we're just in full Shakespeare, full 1600 clothing. Like, everyone, I just imagine how hot it was, how much the the costumes cost. The episode cost $3.5 million dollars which is $7 million today. There are movies that come out for less than that. Plus, on top of spending all of this money, like ABC loved it. They were like, it's going to work. Lowest rated episode of Moonlighting. (laughs) I mean, I'm not surprised. Like, it 
felt insane. And like David Addison, he's not even David Addison. Bruce Willis rolls up on this horse. The horse is wearing sunglasses. They're wearing sunglasses. Bruce Willis is wearing sunglasses. There were a couple of things that like really made me laugh. Simple mm-hmm. Shepherd as the shrew. In the first scene, we see her. She's like throwing men all over the place. And then she runs away and she does this like weird like cat hiss. Like she's like, <laughs> and I burst out laughing. I was like, that this episode was worth that. Bruce Willis also got his chance to do a musical number to Good Lovin'. What? Do you think Bruce Willis like wanted to be in the Blues Brothers? Yes. Yeah. Those were the vibes I was a getting. A thousand percent. I was like, he wished he'd gotten cast in that, and he didn't. It just felt zany. Yeah. And unnecessary. Yeah. Exactly. There were ninjas at one point. Yeah. Yes, there were ninjas. Yet this did win an Emmy. For editing, costuming, and hairstyling. Okay, that makes... Well, Bruce Willis had an interesting wig. Real rough wig. Fun fact, so Curtis Armstrong, Booger, mm-hmm. joins the cast. Yes. Maybe like season by season two, two or three. Yeah, I think season and two. And he was the only actor that has actually performed Shakespeare prior to this. That makes sense. Booger. I've met him. Of He's course. Lovely. He does a voice on American Dad. Mm. Very lovely Oh, man. yeah. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I noticed watching this episode that I guess I completely didn't pay attention to before was Angeline is in the opening credits. Los Angeles own Angeline. Thank God you remember this. I That's my one note is like, t- talk to Natalie about Angeline because does she get a credit? Like it's her billboard. I mean, but this she's is a person. like the height of her fame. Yeah. She's on the billboards. I mean, that billboard was on Sunset Boulevard. Just giant Angeline. And their office is in Culver City. I mean. No, it's in Century City. Thank you also what? for bringing this up. Because at, in the Camille episode, she has. They say Culver City. They say Culver City. But when they she pulls up the card, it is on Century Park Boulevard East. Wow. Which is two Lies. blocks from my house. And it's Century City, which is not a real. I don't think you can have an address in Century City. But Century Park, my it goes Fox Hills where I live. Century Park West, Century Park East. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Were they supposed to be in one of these high-rises right by my house? Probably. Love that. Um, but also, they didn't have a 555 phone number. They had, like, a real phone number. Should we call it? Maybe. See what happens. See what happens. It's probably someone's real phone number. <laughs> probably. Okay. One more. The big one. The moment everyone's been waiting for, mm-hmm. and then were we let down? Maybe. Yeah. I was. All that right. was my comment. I am curious, Maddie, from season three, episode 14. Sam, Mark Harmon, okay. Joy. His marriage proposal forces Maddie to choose between the willing suitor and David. (laughs) So my (laughs) question is, what, because we didn't watch the episodes before. I skimmed through the episode before. Is he an astronaut? What is he? Okay, did not catch that. Because there's a part... When he writes the letter and David's like, oh, I guess you don't need spelling in space or something. And I was like, wait, I what? hope They've known each other for 20 years, so I just wanted to know in what context. Like, how old are David and Maddie supposed to be? I don't know. F- mid, mid-30s? Mid-30s? Also, this show loves a shoe shot. Yes. Like, every person getting off the elevator, like, we have and to look like at And not like in shoes. a fetish way. No. It's just, here's a shoe. They're busy. <laughs> Look at them on the go. Here, we're walking. Um, So, yeah, it was very lovely to see Mark Harmon. Essentially, Mark Harmon proposes to Maddie. She doesn't respond, but she leaves in the middle of the night to go work a case with David. Sam is all um, concerned about their relationship. He goes to David's house to, like, 
scare him. I don't – he basically is just, like, either tell her how you feel or, like, get out of here. Yeah. Buddy. They get in a fight. It's, like, total and then, dude energy. Yeah, Maddie's like, hey, say something now or never. And, of course, he doesn't say anything. Doesn't say anything. But she wants him to. Yeah. And then she ultimately decides that she's not ready to get married, even if it is to Sam or to anyone. And mm-hmm. she finds – solace in that decision she goes home she goes into a dark bedroom she's in that she dark believes bedroom. that sam delivers a dark monologue dark monologue you can only see half her body yes she's delivering that dark monologue that she's like i can't marry you but i want to be with you tonight blah, blah blah lights go on it's david in bed which my thing is like does he have a key to her house he said that he was there when sam was leaving but also like why did sam let him stay that's yeah no one there's a decent level of, like, creepiness to, like, how are you just here? How are you just, like, in her bed that does not get addressed in any way? And then they do it. Finally. Fine. Fine. Good. Good. Bitch. Bastard. Get out. Get out! Finally. They but, sleep together for the first time. But it was, like, but it was three lame. minutes? I don't know. It just... I have seen this reference as, like, one of the greatest love scenes in television history. And I was like, what? Okay, well, here's a reason why it's awkward. Okay. So the bed scene was filmed with vertically. Like, the mattress was propped up. I saw that. So Bruce Willis had a broken shoulder at the time. Ooh, owie. Was this, was he already doing Die Hard, maybe? Maybe. Um, And Sybil Shepard was pregnant. So it was already, like, physically awkward. Yeah. And then they had to do everything standing for the shot. And it's just, like... I don't feel like you're you're satisfied. You've no. waited three seasons. You've seen all this like sexual chemistry, and this is what you get. Yeah, and that's actually probably the best point is that you've had all this sexual chemistry, but I didn't feel like that scene was particularly chemistry filled. No, she slaps him twice. No. I want like that n- new girl kiss. Oh, I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, completely. That's what we deserve. And it just fell, and they're, like, rolling around in the living room, which... But, like, not doing anything. <laughs> no, that's what <laughs> I think. They're just like, rolling. Sybil Shepard loves, like, a hand-on-the-chin move. I feel like in any kissing scene I've seen with her, she, like, loves to, like, grab the face. But in, like, a weird like kind a of... Like a cupped. Yeah, it's, like, a cupped <laughs> way. That's the motion I'm making. I was l- totally let down. Yeah. So I ended up watching the episode afterwards because I needed to know if it evolved into something better. Yeah. And it's actually an episode with a new case. And the personal parts is like David wants to talk about it and Maddie doesn't. So it doesn't really go anywhere right afterwards. This has also been talked about as the downfall of Moonlighting. And or that it's like the curse of this episode, essentially. The Moonlighting curse, right? Yes. And... Um, Karen, the creator of the show, has been criticized for giving in to what the fans wanted and that, you know, the fans usually are not right and that maybe the show would have been different. But I just – I don't think it's that. I think Sybil Shepard and Bruce Willis were, like, needing to move on. Like, Sybil Shepard's pregnant with twins. Yeah, I think it – it's not just because the fans wanted it. I think it just was – it felt right in the show at some point. Yeah. I mean, they got to, like, at some point. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it, for being sort of this, like, ultimate episode of this show or something that people still talk about, I was like, Murr. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. It's kind of bummed. I mean, everyone looked great. 
but I was just like, yeah. not, well, whatever. There are several moments where Maddie wakes up or she's been out all night. Her hair is so bouncy. Always looks so perfect. So good. Some episode, some of these episodes, her hair was really big. Yeah, it was getting bigger. I loved that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I like this. I, I think you're right. I think it's Hot Rollers. Um, but if you would just watch these five episodes of the show, I don't think you would have any idea what the show is about. <laughs> no. You would not I be agree. like, oh, they're detectives. Because we at least have the season one knowledge right. set mm-hmm. in place. We yeah. understand what's going on. I think you would like it. but And to your point, like you would want more because it's so all over the place. Um, but very far ahead of its time. Okay. And I'm now I'm extra shocked that you cannot find it streaming anywhere. Yes. Like, I don't understand why Netflix doesn't pick this up because people would eat the shit up. Yeah. It's like waiting to be memed. I agree. Netflix, hello. Yeah. I also was still feeling a lot of Gilmore Girls vibes as I keep watching. Yeah. Try watching it at 1.5 speed. (laughs) (laughs) You would think I can handle it. Definitely get some Gilmore Girl vibes. Yeah. A lot of pop culture references in every episode, whether it warranted it or not. Um, But I... Oh, I did like in the Atomic Shakespeare play where he, Bruce Willis, is like saying the lines from other Shakespeare plays. Yes. And everyone's like, wrong play, wrong play, mm-hmm. wrong play. They're related to that. Uh, yeah. I oh, that episode that. also gets shown in like English classes a lot. Oh, yeah. Moonlighting. Because it's a fun way to show Shakespeare. So of these five, what was your favorite? Camille. What was your least favorite? Atomic Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Atomic Shakespeare for me, but I did like the dream sequence one. Yeah. It was crazy, but it was fun. Yeah. At least with the dream sequence one, you kind of go in and out. Mm-hmm. With the Atomic Shakespeare, you're in it the entire time, which yeah. I think is why I don't like it. Yeah. All right. Well, for those of you who are watching along with us, or even not, please tell us your favorite Moonlighting episodes. Mm-hmm. Do you also think that Netflix or Hulu or someone needs to pick up the rights to the show? Yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. Send us an email. Find us on social. All the things. So until next week. Bye. Bye.